As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of someone's home office slash guest bedroom that's been converted into a home office and someone who is broadcasting out of, I'm going to assume, a ramshackle abode in the woods that uh, has been boarded up to prevent the forces of darkness climbing in at night when the sun is set. I'm not even in a town. I'm in between... Prince Edward and Woodruff. I recognize Prince Edward. I have no idea what Woodruff is. It sounds like a mix between someone making it like a, a weird mashup of uh, generic Chinese town and uh, I don't know. <laughs> like a he's like the town. DJ that comes on before Tiesto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. DJ Woodruff <laughs> now featuring. <laughs> I, I guess so, Joel. I'm sorry. That, like, just, that reference went over my head. You just kind of, you just kind of, you know, go through it. And you're just like, okay, I guess this is the warm up guy. Oh, <laughs> just the mook or something. I don't know. Uh, Android Zungeon is a, a show about games, movies, music, whatever occurred to us as we sat down to record the show that evening or that day, typically the evening these days. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Well, I haven't had much time to play any board games, to be honest, because I've been touring around America, I mean Canada, which is like, oh, is there a stay-at-home order? Um, too bad, I'm essential, <laughs> apparently. Well, it, to be fair, I, based on the amount of traffic I've seen and uh, everything that I, I've per- firsthand witnessed, I think as long as you aren't a government government employee, uh, who apparently is allowed to sit at home and just do whatever you everyone is just still doing exactly the same thing it's cost you just can't buy your uh your clothes at costco i guess right now that's the main change so so that actually occurred to me so i went out to play disc golf yesterday uh at a golf course who was you know looking to cash in on the big disc crave they're putting in a new 18 hole gold course which is like you know High challenge, trying to get like those prestigious tournaments and everything. I'm scared what they want to even set foot on this course. Then, ten bucks. Oh, not as bad as I thought. Okay, for now. Anyway, we'll yeah. see once they get their nice course in. Yeah. Anyway, I'm out there and my shoes fall apart, which they were already. <laughs> I like that you like you make it sound as if you stepped into like a a, a rust trap or something, and your boots were <laughs> reduced. I mean, to the laces were just kind of like going and going, and eventually they just gave. Uh-huh. So the laces were done, and then I like, try to use the rest of the lace to kind of like tie them up. And those <laughs> making the, sandals. Every time I pulled on them, it was like pulling on you know like a rope that's been underwater for fifty years. It's just like they just snapped. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. had no give, and they were just ready to die. Okay. So I had no hope for the shoes. So I you know, threw them in the woods or something. I can't remember. And what are you wearing then right now? <laughs> so that's that's the rest of the story. So I, I brought some sandals with me, fortunately. Okay. But there is a rule, which was actually created because of me, <laughs> um, which is that you're not allowed to wear sandals on park trips. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's because I went to Kill Bear and some woman complained, said I was wearing like a sleeveless shirt and flip flops, said I was being unprofessional and that was a health and safety concern. <laughs> so now I'm part of the training every year where they're like, don't be like Joel. <laughs> so, you know, I got to go to this park and be all like, you know, representative of my company to the government. Uh-huh. So I got to get shoes, but nobody's selling shoes. So what do I do? I go to sport check. I sit outside. I go on their website. I try to like order something, you know, for pickup. Yeah. Which curbside pickup. Sitting outside waiting to, you know, anyway, they didn't have much in stock. And honestly, the sizes are ridiculous. Like nobody has any size over 10. What size are your shoes? Uh, I mean, I don't want to out you on the radio of having very small shoes. No, it's uh, it's erratic. I was at, this actually came up. So the only reason I can answer this question right now is because I was checking them out the other day. I the my Converse are Elevens, and yeah. uh, so I think Eleven would be fine to me. They didn't have anything over ten, yeah, but I'm usually cool. Eleven or Twelve. Yeah. So I could not find a single thing at Sports Fix. So I went over to Walmart. Sure enough, Walmart had all of the clothing and shoe sections roped off with like caution tape. Yeah, these are your clothes. So what yeah. I did was what anybody else would do in my situation. I broke into the the forbidden area. Yeah, and I took some shoes, and then I went to the self checkout. And did it work? It worked. Not only did it work, they were they were twenty five dollars shoes, and they rang up as five bucks. <laughs> and I was like, nice savage burn on the big big company. All the communists would be proud of me. <laughs> So everything about this story from start to finish is kind of like just one of those staring to the distance <laughs> experiences. So for now, I have some terrible shoes until they allow me to, you know, buy some real ones. <laughs> well, you could. I'm just surprised like sport check. I don't know. I guess if you're trying to get some cross trainers, but I'm surprised like was there no other. There wasn't like a super store or some other sort of retail place you could have picked yeah, up. Yeah, it was closed. Yeah. It was like, you know, like 7 p.m. in a tiny town. It's in Belleville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Belleville's not that small, but it's small. Yeah, Belleville's a weird spot that I've only ever really spent a little bit of time when uh, one of uh, uh, Kayla's uh, friends got married there. So we spent uh, the night there. And uh, they got married in a, I don't know if it was a Legion necessarily, but some sort of like old clubhouse type place. And I, I'm not kidding when I say I can, it's probably I can count on one hand the amount of times I've been as hot as that uh, in my entire life where dressed up in this in your, your, your wedding suit and this place, this is old stuffy building and it's so humid outside and it's filled with people and everyone's like crowding around windows and people are sitting on fire escapes because it was so hot and you're just desperate some, for some fresh air. And it was it was a it was a fun time, but in general, just like the just brutally hot. So whenever I think of Belleville, I think of uh, nearly asphyxiating inside of the Legion. Well, I think it's Toro. I think it's Toro Sushi, which is one of my favorite sushi places. Is it the one that you would always rep- recommend if you say like that's your the the yeah. sushi place that you'll tolerate in uh, Southern Ontario? It's my second favorite. What's your favorite? Uh, Kikaku Izakaya. Oh, geez. Kitchener. <laughs> Kekko's a guy. I'm trying it's to even translate that in my head. I can't even think of it. It's like 40 bucks and, uh, for all you, all can, you can eat. eat? Yeah. yeah. Well, what's the, 
if you go to Mandarin, what are they charging you for all you can eat? Isn't it something like forty bucks as well? I don't want to know. It's like Mandarin. It's fun to go to Mandarin. It's like when work pays for it, you know. Yeah, it's. I I wonder if these buffet places are gonna bounce back because I always imagine that um, all these activities and all these things that people kind of take for granted, and whether it's like gonna be this the 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 bent hose theory where it's just uh, hilariously like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's just like building up, building up, building up. And then as soon as you just kind of let that thing go, it's going to be nuts. And all these previous activities are just going to be swamped with business. And it, it's going to look crazy at first. And then you realize they're still behind at the end of the day. But things like buffets, movie theaters. Um, yeah. I mean, I buffets know. are kind of weird in the first place. I don't know. Maybe they could just go obsolete. Ah, I love buffets. Nothing, something so special about just kind of going around uh, hearing that the shopping music from Ren and Stimpy playing your head like dun 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 dun. Just like it's kind of weird. It is weird, absolutely. But I don't know. Some people, I guess, I could see not liking a buffet, but as long as it's half decent, that and that's for me. It's like if I go to Mandarin, I don't, I because I'm pretty sure you can get like roast beef and stuff, and like what what madman goes to Mandarin and wants to get a nice big plate of roast beef, but at the same I don't time, know, like the prime rib is not bad. Yeah, couple slices. You know, the the guy's standing there; he's cutting it off for you. It's nice and fresh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I don't know the, what cut that is, though. Well, if, I, ideally, it's the an actual prime rib cut, but who knows what it is, right? Yeah, so, some rump roast that they're just passing off. But, but like yeah. one of the like one of the key mistakes of going to a buffet is like getting like rice or something like the really filling, you know, like just stay away from all the carbs. Get like the just get as much shrimp as you can, you know, <laughs> lobster, whatever, salad, maybe anything that's not filling, because then you can just keep going. See, I, I love I've I've made fried rice so many times myself. I can never make it taste the same way as getting it from a Chinese place or a buffet. I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know what secret horrible filler ingredient they're adding that's making it just taste special. But I've never once been able to recreate it on my own the same way. So, um, yeah. I went there once. Uh, the only time I've ever been to a Mandarin. This was years and years ago. Um, and it was the one in Guelph. We went with a bunch of friends, and the one friend I went with is the one who can eat and eat and eat. He's the he's the type of person buffets don't want to see because he's, you're, you're losing money on this man. <laughs> and uh, and I'm not I'm not weeping for Mandarin because I'm pretty sure most people don't come close to eating their fair sh- eating it. But uh, my buddy, uh, I was taking pictures. I wonder if I still got them. I was taking a picture every time he finished a plate, and he had a stack that looked like the uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. And he was just like, it looked like uh, some sort of um, kind of tying this into a salt marsh a bit, but he, he was eating crab legs <laughs> like they're going out of style. And he had piles of the, the, the shells just like stacked on plates. And there was no sign of him stopping. It was wild. Absolutely incredible. Uh, That's impressive. He just can, Joel, he can eat like crazy. Like he used to, whenever uh, Red Lobster would do their um, unlimited shrimp days, um, uh-oh. He would show up there at lunch and he would sit there for like an hour, two hours, and he would just eat. But the thing is, is that uh, he eventually just, and the people making the food eventually came to an understanding that, because he would order these food, these plates, because what it is, it's all you can eat pasta with shrimp in it. Mm-hmm. And what he was doing was he was getting it and he would just eat the shrimp and then he'd ask for another plate. And uh, this pasta Uh-oh. was basically going to waste. And eventually they just kind of all said, look, well, let's save us all some time. We're just going to bring you shrimp. How's that sound? 
And Aww. he's like, that's, that's fine. Don't waste more food. Cause I'm not going to eat it. And, uh, so. You know, again, like it's, kind of places that are like, we'll charge you for what you don't eat. I don't think so. I, I don't know if red lobster has that sort of agreement. Maybe they've changed things around and, uh, and I'm not a huge fan. Like I don't love seafood. So not, all this stuff kind of goes over my head. Yeah. But, uh, I, I do know there's another story similar to that of, uh, all you can eat wings at Hooters. And it looked like, uh, you remember the elephant graveyard in the Lion King? <laughs> <laughs> you must never go there. <laughs> we must never go there. You must you must never look at Mark's pile of bones that have just <laughs> <laughs> like formed a mountain of chicken wings and just like oh remind me of uh, like wing night at the landing in my hometown and like these guys that would order like you know like 10, 12 pounds at like two dollars a pound or something. And yep. they would just have this pile of bones piled up all the way. It's Do you save room for dessert though? Pardon me? You still save room for dessert? Uh, wing nights or buffets? Buffet. Oh, always. You got to have the dessert. Have to. Even if it's uh, underwhelming, you always have to get something, like at least some ice cream. I like the um, creme brulees. The, the creme brulees? <laughs> yeah. I eat like three or four of them. Well, because it's a treat. It's like a it's custard pretty. with its uh, crispy little uh, burnt top, or at least what it's supposed to have. Exactly. I really, the only thing I really dislike with desserts, and uh, have you done uh, like resort vacations? Once. My sister got married at like a five star. Your sister had a destination wedding? Destination wedding? My older sister? Yeah. And it was so much fun. Where was it? Um, Dreams Tulum. Tulum? Oh, Mexico. Yeah. Well, that's nice. All right. Fair enough. Awesome. Like, like a star I Mexican really resort. Em- Holy I smokes. I really embraced the like wasteful attitude. Like her husband to be and his friends ordered like 13 cheeseburgers at like three o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. I ordered like a club sandwich and a burger. And then I like ate like half the club sandwich and threw it out. Oh, like, no. <laughs> I'm like, we were, there were like, you know, like nine restaurants and we were like, well, we have to go to all the restaurants. So yeah, of course. Up. And then there's like a swim up restaurant. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh man. It was great. Resorts are the best. And I think that's one thing that we've really missed because we haven't gone in a couple of years and uh, we, we've been trying to make plans with people for a while to, because uh, I think the, Kale and I had resigned ourselves to possibly going to the, the Cuba wedding that yeah. and Brett had planned. I was going to go if you guys were going to go. That was my. And Sam wasn't going to go at all. She was like, oh, I have no interest. And I was like, that's fine for me. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but oh, uh, more fun. <laughs> well, no kidding. It's uh, but when that went uh, by the wayside, I think it was it was a, I, I, we're, we're not huge on destination weddings in the first place. But uh, I think it, we saw it more as also like a, a, a kind of a collateral damage of uh, losing a warm vacation of resort stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, anyway, My, uh, you remember uh, Nikki? Yes, she's down south. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know how she got away with, it, but she's uh, she's sending pictures up on her Insta of uh, I don't know Mexico or something like that. Is she working there? No, holiday. Okay, sure. How <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> she uh, she figured something out. Well, and who knows? Maybe there are some opportunities, but. Uh, I... Let's just say I haven't been looking at them. So, yeah. Uh, so, but long story short, no games, eh? <laughs> no games. Yeah. Very long story short. 
<laughs> Not even computer games? Dragons. Always playing that. Although I have been playing, uh, you know, Twilight Struggle online with like a turn base with Hussein, and that's been good. Oh, okay. Is Hassan any good? He is very good. He's the one that taught me how to play. And he, oh, okay. Not Hassan Hassan, but like the guy, you know, the doctor that taught me yeah. that and wore the ring. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think he's winning, but it's kind of hard to tell because he's the Soviets. So I'll, I'll keep you updated on that one. How about you? Right. What are you playing? Uh, board game wise, uh, we got to play a game of 18 Max on the weekend. And uh, it was a beautiful Saturday, so we set up outside and we made some margaritas, and the margaritas were tasty. Not quite as good as my friend makes them. I'm I'm still a bit of a, a neophyte or a newbie when it comes to mixing these, but uh, they were still very tasty. Although I have to say, when you've got a a board game in front of you and you, there's some sloppy margaritas around too, it kind of makes you sweat a little bit. You're like, oh no, really? yeah. oh no. Just keep a, keep an eye on things. But uh, no, nothing nothing happened. It was a little breezy, so we had to weigh down stuff with some poker chips, but. Um, so four player game of 18 max, and it was a lot more different than anything we've played. Not tons different. It still ended in the traditional way of, uh, when a company hits the $200 per share price mark, that's considered game over. And that's that. Um, but what was odd was that it moved so slowly. And I think what happened is, is that, um, everyone for the most part started their own company and was comfortable running it uh decently as the roots developed and especially as tiles went to green and there was really no reason to um you know rush anything especially because like the the way you need to look at the game and i think we've talked about this before but that it's difficult to tell in person but if you're playing online it's very obvious if you're if you're not making more money than everyone else or the the second most wealthy person uh, in terms of like round of a round and stock appreciation, you're losing and you need to change something about that because if I'm in a position where I'm quite happy and making lots of money, it's in my interest to keep things exactly where it is because like if the yeah. train rush never happens, if I never have to worry about stuff like that, it's great. I'm still making lots of money. My stock's moving up and the cash is coming in. Like if you have a majority control in this company like I did, so I had 60% share. So how it worked is I started the Chihuahua because in the initial auction, I got the Bridge Company and Chihuahua, the 10% share. Chihuahua. It's a good company. I'm, I've been very happy with it. Uh, then Mark started the um, FCB, which is the company uh, to the left of the Chihuahua. So there's a lot of synergy opportunities there. And then Tia started the uh, the, the blue company. I, I want to call it like the... It's, it's another variation on Pacific, <laughs> Mexico, whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> And she was running that company, and Kayla didn't have a. She had the um, the private where she had the presidency share of the the national, but the national won't show up for a while. And Kayla didn't start a company until quite a few ORs after people when she started the Tex-Mex. And uh, but overall, it was that the Mark was making a lot of money, and I was making a lot of money, but because Mark had a poor share distribution of his company, his company was paying out, but he wasn't receiving as much from it. Versus me, since I had 60% of my company, that that meant 60% of the profits were going right into my pocket. Um, And the stock just keeps moving and moving and moving. So the bottom line is that the the game kind of, it went very slowly as far as train rush goes. And I posted in the golf board game group about this, but that we we never even hit the five trains. Um, The four train was as big as we got before the $200 price point hit. 
And as a matter of fact, Kayla only got a single run with the Mexican national because the game ended right after that. So, so it was a fairly fast game because you hit the 200 with somebody. The game, in fact, like time wise, super fast. Uh, two and a half hours, I think, was being on the, the far end of stuff. Because um, we all know what we're doing. There's very little sort of, um, as far as like coaching or administration goes, there's very little sort of organizing like that because everyone has their, their uh, stuff together. Um, and the poker chips just speed things up so, so quickly. And when tiles are all available for people to choose and see, and it, it's great. And, and I want to do a quick shout out to. Uh, there was some guy I posted on the Android Dungeon Twitter about the game, and he recommended, because uh, he saw my phone on the table in one of the pictures, and he said, oh, you have your phone open. Uh, we're using this 18xxc. And I said, well, what are you talking about? What is this? So I type it into Google, and all I get is pornography because of the uh, 18 and 2xs, and it's trying to fix that, or trying to autofill that. Uh, but when you follow it to Google Play, what it is is that it's a very slick-looking application that, it's got implementations for 1830, 46, 49, 61, 67, 82, 89, Chesapeake, Max, New England. Not tons, but they're they're adding them. And what it does is that you can, it, it's got, you can put in your share distributions. Um, you can put in, this is what I really like, is that you can pick which the, the trains you're doing and input the runs and what they're worth. And so you can just look at your phone. You can, in real time, kind of modify it so that there's none of this stuff where you're calculating roots every oh, round because... So you don't have to write it down. It's just got it for you. It's Well, it's got it for you. Like, you have to input it. What I'm saying is that it, it replaced the pen and paper because that's... If you can... One of the things that can speed up the game so, so much, and that's why these games online with uh, uh, 18xx.games are so quick, is that it remembers your previous route. It auto, like... If somebody has improved it, it auto gives you more money for it as well. It just speeds things up so, so quickly. So in the future, I'm going to really recommend this application, everyone who's playing in person, because it just, it, it cuts down the the pointless um, and the stuff that slows things down, which is like, all right, now let me recalculate my route. And especially if you're paying attention, you can look at things and you can see, okay, well, my route hasn't changed and Kale upgraded that tile. So all I have to do is whoop, put another 10. Or oh, Mark tokened out that place. Ah, crap! I'm I'm locked out, so I lose these runs. Boop boop boop, and you just kind of go with that train, and or you just drop it. So, just really really nice. And uh, if you want to be even quicker, you could say like hit go, and it like could tell you the payouts to everyone. But honestly, it's not difficult to just <laughs> like divide by ten and just split it up. So, how would you uh, compare it to that uh, Civ Helper app? Like, is it, it much more professional? It's way more professional looking. And I wish the Civ Helper was, like, I almost want to develop it myself, see if I can take a crack at developing something like that myself. Um, this one looks, Kayla saw it and she said it looks like the iOS calculator. It just looks that smooth and uh, crisp looking. So, um, highly. No pardon me? No money for it? You can donate to it or you can sign up to subscribe. It's just uh, more of like basically a glorified tip. Um, and frankly, as you know, as much as I think, like, yeah, Winzip. if you, what's up, Winzip, Winzip, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> rar, rar share, yeah, I use seven zip now, so I never even look at that. So, oh yeah, but uh, yeah, so it, it, if you wanted to do something to assuage your guilt, uh, and there is no guilt whatsoever, but if you want to make yourself feel better, you could throw them some cash, I guess. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I feel sincerely about this, and that's like. I grew up in the day when uh, people were developing this stuff, and generally speaking, there was not even the option really to donate to it. Like, 
there was shareware, of course, so you get licensed versions. That's if you really wanted to support these guys and maybe get features or just feel better about yourself. But generally yeah. speaking, people made this software just because they really liked it and they wanted to share it with people. That's it. Just like a lot of these independent computer games growing up, like I grew up with tons of these indie games um, and there was never even a glimmer in people's eyes of getting paid for them. They were always like a labor of love and meant yeah. to be shared. So it's something I feel that Steam has kind of ruined is the idea of everyone putting something up and wanting like even small amounts like two ninety nine or three ninety nine for the, some of these games when in, I could look backward and say that's the sort of thing that would have been free in uh, like 2004 or 2003. So, What's Steam's cut? It's uh, significant. I think it's thirty percent. But at the same time, I think they, I think most developers uh, accept that it is the it is the digital platform, and they host. Yeah, they they handle the bandwidth and stuff. So um, it, it makes it easy to sell. So basically, they're the marketplace. They're taking their cut, and I'm not sure if they've kind of ch- it's if they have a um, a system where if you have under X amount of sales, they don't take as much, or if you have a different agreement with them, I, I could be wrong. But that was one of the main reasons why the Epic Games Store was a little contentious when it came out, is because I think they had a lower cut than Steam, yeah. and they were trying to grab people on that. But um, I, I don't want to d- jump too much into this because uh, I don't know too much about it, so I don't want to run my mouth more than usual. How much, how much of a cut is a free game, though? <laughs> Well, that's it. So I don't because know how I've paid Epic Games. <laughs> but yeah, right. Because I, I'm the exact same way. I log in, get my free game of the week, and then I leave. And uh, I have to say, there have been some pretty big free games that they've given me. But, yeah, uh, they've been bigger lately. Anyway, like you but, look at the original free games, they were like, "What is that?" Like, well, there's uh, still a bunch that are like, "Hmm." Since GTA Five, it's been like a bit more impressive. Yeah, I think GTA 5 was like the high watermark, even though it wasn't as expensive as I thought it was, because keep in mind, I guess GTA 5 has been out for a long time at this stage, but uh, still felt kind of special to get a copy of that. Yeah, it's still like their flagship, like they're still working on 5, there, there's no hint of 6 anytime soon. Well, because it's a license to print money, I think GTA Online is just ridiculous. Like and, Skyrim, you know? Yeah, well, I think the yeah, next Elder Scrolls game is going to be out. It'll be, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if within a year we saw something because, um, and from the sound of it, I think Sony and Microsoft are really trying to batten down the hatches with regard to exclusivity. And as much as I hate it, uh, I, I think that we might see a thing where Elder Scrolls doesn't come to uh, uh, the PlayStation. And I think that could be a a huge huge coup if because microsoft uh, owns bethesda now so yeah. they don't care it would be very anti-consumer that's, that's all it is but but sony's been doing this stuff forever like going back to bloodborne it's uh there's yeah. zero reason why bloodborne shouldn't be on the pc at this point when other stuff that they've worked it on still has, isn't? So. nope 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 wow. not even a glimmer not even a rumor maybe when a remaster comes out which would be so greasy but uh like maybe if a remaster comes out and they, they would put it on the PC, but I don't know. A remaster. Um well why don't we take a break then and we'll come back and we'll do a D and D roundup as sure. we we like to do because I think that's a good little bit of uh, filling up time. So stay tuned. Hands up who wants to die
well I turned and fled this fucking heap on ducted wings my flailing pinions with splints and rakes and jabbers and nearly hardly flat cocking upon tanker upon one million tiny punctures and I look like a I look like a long thin red ribbon straight across the arms of a little model girl Martin strings, huh. these fucking ruptures, enough! Enough is enough! If this is heaven, I'm bailing out, I can't tolerate this old tin tub, so full of trash and rats, felt one crawl across my soul. For a second there, I thought I was back down in the ghetto. Was born and Lord Shaken even then was dumped into an icy font like some great stinky unclean from slum church to slum church. I spill my hunt to some fat cunt behind the screen. Pop and I passed up to the opening. <laughs> Its light shut the little perforated hatch. At night my body blushed to the whistle of the birds. With a little practice, I soon learned to use it on myself. Uh, punishment! Reward! A punishment! Well, I tied on and perched on my bed, I was. I sticking a needle in my arm. I tied off. Her uh, uh, fucking wings burst out my back like I was cutting teeth. Like a plague to the head in God's house. 
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard were two tracks off of uh, the birthday party. Uh, I forget which albums because uh, the, the file I've got, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say best of, but it's one of those things. So the first one, Sonny's Burning. And uh, the final one, Mutiny in Heaven. Two very raucous, loud, abrasive, angry. Uh, I don't know if the heroin was in the picture at this point because I think it's too fast, but uh, we'll say drug soaked uh, <laughs> tracks from the birthday party. Uh, Sonny's Burning, just a very special place in my heart, mostly because of just uh, Nick Cave screaming, uh, Flame on, Flame on, like channeling Fantastic Four for some reason. And uh, I don't know if it's deliberate or not, because he's never mentioned being a comic book fan in any sense. So, um, Did you ever see the new Fantastic Four, Joel? Uh, no. I don't think I, most people did. It looks like garbage. Like, even <laughs> I wouldn't watch that. And I watched, you know, Justice League. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it makes Justice League look like a Kubrick film. Uh, the, <laughs> the the Fantastic Four, or Fortastic, or whatever they called it. Just I was watching a little like a uh, write up about it or a video by this guy. He's this uh, Scottish uh, YouTuber named the Critical Drinker, and he's got he's mostly good. Sometimes you can feel like he's gone off script and he's not as uh, sharp. But anyway, he does these things called uh, Tales from Production Hell, and uh, he was just talking about uh, the Fantastic Four, the one that this guy named Josh Trank dire directed. And uh, he was trying to do a very dark, uh, character-driven take on the Fantastic Four. And it's like, yeah, it could have worked. Like, it doesn't have to be especially dark, but uh, some of the more mature takes on these silly concepts have taken, uh, have done really well. Like, uh, uh, Old Man Logan or Logan was a huge hit. Everyone oh, liked Logan that was one. Great. Uh, and I don't think it's especially dark, but it's it's grittier and a little more serious. So. Uh, uh, but anyway, he tried. He attempted to do something similar to that, and I forget which one came out first. I have a feeling Fantastic Four was out first, but I could be wrong. Um, and uh, the studio, I guess, saw their their product, their kind of the uh, the dailies on it. After a certain point, we're like, oh my god, it's a disaster. And part of the issue is that Fantastic Four is infamous for being one of these licenses that they would only ever make a movie when they were required to, or else the license would get forfeited back to Marvel. So it was one of these things that every X years, they Fox or Sony, I forget who it is, I think it was Fox, had to make a movie using the Fantastic Four license, or else they were like, like they were considered like, no, you have to give it back to us. So mandatory movie, so they just like called it in. Yeah, exactly. It was it, so in the past they've kind of um, when they Michael Chiklis, Jessica Alba, um, and Captain America, before he's Captain America, and uh, another guy. Yeah. So that was uh, that was the post. Um, there was another aborted attempt at a Fantastic Four movie that was one of these kind of heartbreakers that you can imagine the actors getting worked up to be in a movie, but it turns out the movie was never intended to be made in the first place. And that I think it was, I don't want to say Russ Meyer, but um, Roger Corman. I think it was an, actually a Roger Corman movie that was just totally like, it was a, it was a hustle. And then there's the new, then there was one after that. And then like the late, um, early 2000s, I guess, with Jessica Alba. And the, it made a lot of money. Then they did the second one, Silver Surfer. And that one was a, a stinker. And nobody talked about it again until they were forced to touch the license making, again. A movie being made for like political or like random business reason just makes me so mad. <laughs> the fact that like they would actually produce this movie that just they don't even want to make a movie. They don't have a story. They just like, yeah, we just need 
we just need to keep this license. It's worth money. That's exactly it. Although to be, I think because Disney purchased Fox, now they have basically purchased back the uh, Fantastic Four license. So we'll see um, if they. Yeah, I, I think it's impossible for them to screw it up these days because it's like the Big Mac. They can't make a bad Big Mac. They're just sloppier and less interesting <laughs> ones than there are of yeah. others. But um, anyway, it, nobody cares about Fantastic Four really. It's, frankly, I don't care about most Marvel franchises. So. Well, I don't know. You know, he's closely associated with the Silver Surfer, which is probably the best comic of all time. Do you actually like the Silver Surfer? He's my favorite. Interesting. Why? He's just like miserable, touring around the universe. Nothing good ever happens to him. He runs into all these like different uh, like civilizations. Most of them hate him. They fear him because he's like a god and he's a herald of. Um, Galactics, Galactus, Galactus. Yeah. and so you know, like he's just got like a terrible time, and most of the time he's just like waxing lyrical philosophically, and it's just like such an out there comic that I just like can't get enough of it. I just absolutely love it all the time. It's interesting to hear you say that because I, I've got a friend who loves X Men, and I have, I have friends who love, um, I guess, some of these other characters. I've never heard anyone talk about the Silver Surfer. And I, I do think he's kind of cool in that sense. Like, oh, it's kind of like, I forget what era he showed up. And you can just imagine like Stanley sitting in a boardroom. It's like, surfing's really cool, kids. How about we have a, a hero that surfs through the galaxy? Go, okay, sure. <laughs> never stand. It's also a really weird concept. But also the board is like part of him. And it's sentient in itself. And is like independent okay. of him. Okay. And it has like Galactus's power in him, and it could exist without him. And oh, I don't know. There's, there's, a, it, and then there's this girl. You know, she's like a human girl, and she travels around the world with it, or sure. the universe with him. Sure. But then she's just like a person, and she's like, oh, this is weird. The universe is like really big, and it's bigger than just Maine, wherever she's from. You know, some coast and. Well, Lawrence Fishburne did the voice of him in the movie too, and I was th like, I've always liked Lawrence Fishburne as an actor, and uh, I guess I've had a soft spot for him ever since. Uh, I was going to say Apocalypse Now, but I was really The Matrix. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't know what he's done recently. I feel like he's just maybe made so much money off The Matrix and just do whatever he wants. Um, but we'll see. I'm curious to see what because I don't know if there's any plans to make a Fantastic Four movie and. Um, and you were talking about it in when we were playing D and D about this uh, Falcon Winter Soldier uh, show yeah. that that I've heard a lot of negative things about. I've heard it, it reeks of like um, cutting room floor scripts or stuff that wasn't good enough for a movie. And so like, oh, you know, put it on Disney Plus, call it a day. Pretty boring and dumb, yeah. But basically, I was like, I was ranting, and I've ranted to a couple people about this, so maybe we'll keep it short. But I think it's the most ridiculous thing on earth that like one of the avengers is struggling to find money <laughs> and it's like i think the same thing happened not like spider-man apparently has a good reason for it but in the other one um oh no in uh in the justice league movie superman's home superman the savior of the universe who like is like the most popular person on the planet his home gets foreclosed on after he dies 
And Batman, his best friend, who's trying to bring him back and is doing everything he can to bring him back, doesn't do a thing about it. Yeah. I, I don't even remember that. At the end of the movie, Superman comes back. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> and Superman asks Batman, hey, how'd you get the farm back? And Batman says, I bought the bank. Well, maybe Batman was, because uh, Ben Affleck was looking a little puffy. Maybe he was just fat and depressed and too busy to. <laughs> he couldn't send a couple, 10 grand to Lois Lane or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it, man. Mom, can't. And then it's the same thing with this uh, this new movie. Like he's trying to get a loan, and they're like, "Well, I don't know." And they they actually ask him. They literally ask him. They're like, "So how how does it work? Like with you getting paid for being an adventure and everything?" He's like, "Oh, you know, it's like a lot of goodwill and that kind of thing." It's like <laughs> just just sell a toy, sell one toy, you'll be set for the rest of your life. Yeah, it could be. The problem is, is that it's it's. I think it's a a, a realistic concept that would work in something like, let's say the Watchmen world where it actually does yeah. make sense. So like some character like Adrian, um, how I want Veet, invite, um, like he monetized his, his image and he became fabulously rich. Cause he's also a genius, but then you have other guys who just kind of like, they have a quiet life on the, on the outside and they're not yeah. making tons of money. They're just basically, you know, middle-class. They got mouths to feed and that's that but in the in the marvel world especially something like in the avengers it kind of just comes across as like trying to inject realism when or like, trying to be trying to relate to people right yeah yeah it's unrelatable <laughs> like i can I, like, so, yeah anyway that's my rant it's a decent rant I, I like it uh so let's get on to something a little more related to the show we've got um uh, 16 minutes uh let's do our dnd roundup uh, if you can imagine, there is exciting battle music playing uh, or fantasy music. Uh, Joel, give us a rundown of your uh, sessions that you ran this week. Yeah, well, I'll start with uh, two Sundays ago. I played as a fighter named Runge in um, was it called the Rhyme Maiden? The Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Apparently a rhyme is a spell. Who knew? I thought it was like a poem. <laughs> of the ancient mariner specifically, because it's the only one I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so we went into a cave and we fought a, a undead frost giant. And then behind the frost giant, I guess he was summoned there to defend this sea hag who tried to trick us into thinking she was an old woman but we saw through her her trick and she had this big bowl of soup there and the bowl of soup was filled with people that she had killed a fisherman and i ate some <laughs> <laughs> and then i took the bowl of soup and i splashed it in her face and we killed the sea hag did and overall sorry what did splashing it in her face do anything did you get like uh, do a bit of damage and get advantage no. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Anyway, uh we killed her and then we found out that the 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 pot like never empties. You can just like keep on scooping from it and it always stays full. Of human food? Cool. <laughs> yeah, human food and soup. 
And so I ate some of some more of it, and everyone was like grossed out by it. But I was like, you know what, the soup is pretty good. And then uh, we found the corpses of the fishermen that we were sent to find. And we went back in town, and we sold the pot for a th- for two thousand gold. Wow! As level two characters, I thought was a lot, but apparently the DM after was like, "You could have got a lot more for that." I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, is it because, especially in this campaign, where exhaustion and heat are an issue, that like unlimited warm soup could have been a huge deal? I figured, yeah, it was like basically going to save the town. Where like now they have an unlimited food source, even though yeah. they're eating humans. But whatever, they're <laughs> sacrificing humans on the regular. And I like I'm super critical of them all the time. I'm like, oh, so you're sacrificing humans and nothing is happening and you're still doing it? And they're like, Yeah, we just haven't sacrificed enough yet. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you idiots. Uh-oh. Anyway, uh like our lead went cold on the main guy, so I really don't know what we're doing in that. But uh yeah, it's going okay, level two. It'll be uh, on again this Sunday. Now, goes to Saltmarsh. You guys have basically won the game at this point, right? We're doing a victory lap? Yeah, you're doing a victory lap. You're going around solving some mysteries. Uh, yeah, some cool, scary adventures. I, I think you you pretty much, like, you knew exactly what I was saying today, weren't you? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but you were just kind of like chuckling off in the background, like, oh, yeah, there's some uh, gold being produced in this mystery town that nobody goes to anymore, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a certain amount of, um, I want to say tropes, but it's like, okay, I, I get it. Let's go. I get it. Yeah. Which isn't me saying, let's move it on. I just mean, okay. Yeah. No, you, you've, you've got it figured out for sure. Although maybe it's a little different. We'll see. Honestly, I, I'd be surprised if I'm... Anyway. Um, is this stuff, though, is this supplementary information or is this leftover stuff that we didn't get to in the main story? It's actually, like, the next part. Like, basically, like, the, the, the main story ends at Chapter 6 and there's eight chapters. Huh. So it's kind of like, I, I mean, Saltmarsh in itself is kind of like loosely tied together into a singular, single pot, plot. And you can see how, you know, like the lizards and the Sawagi and everything kind of like was naturally put together and it kind of like was assembled in a way. But it also is like a compendium of adventures from like the 70s to the late 2020s zeros. Mm-hmm. And so these last two adventures are like, 2005 2007 kind of thing so they're a little more modern and i feel like they just thought they were really cool um water adventures and they're for higher level characters Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah let's just throw these in but honestly i like them a lot better than most of the other ones so i'm happy that we're playing them nice i'm looking forward to it it's um i think something that i've yet to really grasp is the sheer amount of independent or fan content available um, oh yeah that these are like the official splat books but the stuff available on like um uh what's the site i want to say like dm's guild or something i forget um but guys just selling these uh these books full of like one-off adventures or like uh single quests to mix into your stories for just not tons yeah. of money at all like a couple bucks here and there because it's a passion project again and and you know it gets back to what i was saying that you know 
you could just give this stuff away, but you know, and if you, if people want to pay you, they want to pay you, but I, th- I still think giving away for free and having the option to pay. Um, like I think the Bandcamp style is kind of a nice one that if, do you, do you have a Bandcamp account? Have you ever purchased anything from them? No, but like Google Books actually has the same kind of thing. And I wanted to mention, like, I did buy the audiobook for Shadow Over In's mouth. Mm-hmm. And like, because I'm on these park trips and it's really yeah. easy to just listen to a book, right? On the, my like one hour, three hour drives, or whatever. And there was like an official version that was like $17 or something like that. And then there were like a whole bunch of like $1.25 ones. And it's the same kind of thing, right? It's just like these random people that like develop a little bit of a reputation for reading things well, and then they sell them for pennies, right? Yeah. So I got an ebook from like this guy, it was like 99 cents. It was like guy, guy with a cat or something like that. And he had a whole (laughs) bunch of really good reviews and he was incredible. And he also put like a whole bunch of sound effects in and everything like that. Wow. It was nuts. It was way exceeded my expectations. That's nice to hear. when you use Bandcamp, is that like kind of a similar experience? You're just kind of like no, going by reviews. Well, no. What I was going to say is that the their purchasing model is something that I was going to say. So guys can give away, um, like there's the name your price model for stuff in which you can put down a track or an album or whatever, and you can say name your price, yeah. and you can you can just take it for free if you want. But the hook, and this is what gets me a bit too, is that if you pay at least a dollar for it. Uh, it goes to your Bandcamp account, and it gives you the ability to stream it and download it whenever, wherever you are. Uh, so there's a difference between you can take it for free, and you can just get your copy, and like you put your MP3 on your hard drive, call it a day, big deal. Or if you want, you can spend this minimum amount, and then you have it basically in your official sort of playlist that uh, you and don't have to consider. With you. Pardon me? And it stays with you. Yeah, it stays with you. So... Uh, that's something that I, I kind of consider to be an interesting model where it's like if you put like, uh, so let's go back to these DM books we we're talking about where it's like, okay, so it's a name your price. If you say zero, that's fine. Take it. Enjoy. But if you put over X dollars, let's say, then you could have like, it goes to your account and you could access it wherever you want or gives you some sort of bonus or something like kind of like the, the, the shareware version mixed. And then you can, if you spend a bit more, you can have like the enhanced version that comes with extra stuff. So I think that's the type of model that I ultimately approve of versus, or just purely like uh, buy it or don't donate or don't. I don't care. I didn't put it out here to make money. It's if you do like it, sure. Buy me a beer or something. Yeah. Well, there's all these like kind of quasi official guys like uh, Matt uh... Colville. No. Who's the who's the how to be? Wait, say that again. Colville. Yeah. Yeah, that that guy, right? Because he's got his own modules and books, and then there's also the lazy DM, right? And they're like, you know reviewers of games and also like kind of teachers of games but they've also got their own content and that stuff's like not official but it's you know like basically as close as you're gonna get right that uh, stuff has a price but obviously we can like they went on sale i think i bought uh yeah easy dm stuff for like what was like two dollars three dollars something like that which is DM. perfectly reasonable price like incredible yeah but like also, yeah, there's tons of fan content out there, but it's kind of hard to like parse through what's actually gonna be good and is it parsed out. But I honestly I like I really like Ghost of Saltmarsh, but there's so many mistakes in it and so much like continuity errors and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's 
necessarily better than a lot of that fan content. Hmm. Interesting. Like for, just as an example, in the last mission there, like in the Sawagin lair, there's all these rooms and there's like, you're getting these like items, yeah. right? Like one of them, and it like has like a symbol of the sea prince of Malmerg or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the book, it says sea reference prince of Malmerg, like out, um, insert. Okay. Yeah. And there's like five different things that were that like reference this insert. The insert doesn't exist. They didn't put it in. They thought maybe they'd put it in and they decided not to. And then they never edited those things out. Is this legit though? You, you researched this and people said, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah exist. everybody's talking about it. Like, what is this? Where do we find it? And it just happens to be that they like just didn't edit it right. So what's um, weird to me is that between leaving that in, which, you know what, whatever, I've seen plenty of stuff like that throughout my days. But yeah. it's odd that they wouldn't turn around and say, oh, geez, sorry, guys, we meant to include it. Here is a link. Please go officially to our website. Here is the material for that stuff. Like, why <laughs> Why the ambiguity? Like an errata, exactly. Like Errata, know, exactly. But, but yeah, also I mean, there's persist, just tons yeah. of that. Like, it's honestly, it's, it's a bit of a mess. But, like, honestly, I don't mind. The content yeah. is still good. Yeah. Well, that's weird that it's like $40. You know, it's like, I just don't understand why Alex and Mark are willing to pay $40 for each of these books. They're just like giving Wizards of the Coast who are like just insanely rich, just more and more money. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't want to get into the open the can of worms about uh, copyright infringement and stuff right now. But I think the, the other part is that like you were describing, like I think to bring up a little bit closer to what you were just bringing up is that I'm sure, I bet there are some fantastic independent adventures that people swear by or say like run this book or do this these modules or something and uh, i would much rather give those guys money than yeah. to throw uh like these books are not cheap the the official wizard of the coast ones they're oddly expensive like inexplicably expensive as far as i'm concerned um yeah. if they were less expensive I, would, I wouldn't even think twice about picking up some of them because i like having a hard copy but for paying 50 bucks or something for some of these books are you out of your mind it's a it's a big hardcover picture yeah. book. It's it's insanity. It's like, and how much are other books, right? Like yeah, twenty bucks tops. Like we can get art books that are like beautiful for <laughs> yeah. similar prices. So I don't know. I, I'm just a little salty <laughs> about yep. some of these prices <laughs> on that stuff. And and frankly, it's it's within our rights to say like, no, screw you. I'll I'll, I'll run my own adventure before I give you a cent on something like that. So, totally. um, which makes me sound bitter, but it's just. I it, do think it's, it's unreasonable like price. Your, like you would, you want to go to your friendly local game store before giving it to Bezos, right? Yeah, exactly. It's you just you also have to meet me. <laughs> I gotta yeah. meet me in the middle. You can't just five be, bucks, maybe. It can't be twenty bucks over what it's worth. Or exactly. You can't have me over a barrel just for the privilege of like assisting a local business. Are you out of your mind? Come on, I've got an internet connection. I know what this costs. <laughs> so don't don't play games with me. So. Please. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we we'll call it there then? So, rousing episode, eighteen max. Uh, we're talking about buffets and D D. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, some fresh content. I don't know if I'll get many games in. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a, we're tearing down the sheds in the back this weekend. Next, so, oh cool. Next week, I'll tell you about uh, the uh, level five characters going back to uh, the haunted house and how it's still hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i okay i really want to hear about that so 
All right. On that note, thank you for listening to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM or through your favorite podcasting websites. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.